Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Caster. Here as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? Um, I'm slowly losing my will to live. Slowly, but hanging in. How about you, How Adam? depressing. How depressing. Super Bowl week, man. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy times. Crazy, crazy times. I don't but- understand. Why are you so sad? The Super Bowl is the most fun it's a culmination of everything this football season has, le- has uh, led up to. Well, when you are a content creator whose life depends around providing content for people to digest via the Super Bowl, and you are also one that specializes in football-based coverage, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot between the writing, between the uh, shows, but I signed up for it. It's what I love to do, and I'm doing it. But all right then. But looking forward to the reprieve that will uh, that will come on uh, on Monday when uh, when I have uh, a week. Yeah, a week off. A week off. It'll be nice. But we'll still we'll still be here. We'll still be here. But in terms of any and all other responsibilities, I will be uh, I'll be free of that. Which yeah, I, I'm needing in a big way. Yeah. That's actually kind of interesting that you would mention that because I'm having like the opposite effect because, you know, I'm not working at the fan and like, I usually like Super Bowl week and NFL playoffs. It's like all hands on deck. The weekends are absolutely nonsense, crazy. So I can just kind of like, it's nice. And I definitely experienced this, like the first couple of weeks after I stopped working there and I moved to uh, to Utah. I was like, it's nice watching a game, and you're not working. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely I definitely do miss the days when I watched when I watch football for fun. <laughs> now it's now I watch it professionally, but it's fun. It it it's still fun, but it definitely takes more of um more of a, it has a different context when you it's are different. It's a different feeling, really. Yes, when when you were professionally watching instead of just. Monday morning, Monday morning, quarterbacking it and, and watching and, and you can just talk shit, you know, now I need to watch with some, with some, some analytical backing behind everything that I'm watching, considering I will be either a talking about it or B writing about it. Right. And you actually have to pay attention. You can't just be like on Reddit while you're listening to the commentary and then looking up whenever, every time Joe Buck raises his voice. See, I watch Red Zone, so I, I I bounce around, and my my eyes are always glued. My I I will be very honest. Sundays, and and you know this, you know this, because there have been a couple times where I've checked my phone after the fact, and I have fifty texts just waiting for me. I don't look at my phone on Sundays. I, I don't do it. When there is football on the television, I do not check my phone. Yeah, the things I did not miss, I do not miss from work is having to work football Sundays when there are all of these games and there's one person to get highlights from all of them. And that would be you getting well, all the highlights. All of them per se. Most of them. Most, Most of, of them. them. Most of them. Depends on what time I would come in. But, and then obviously, because like in the morning, morning, quote unquote, it's 11, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I would get the, uh, the one o'clock games usually, and then post game sound from that. And then 
person that comes in after me, which is 7 p.m. to 3 a.m., um, would get the afternoon, like the 425s and Sunday night, and then all of that post. So it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And yeah, it's it's crazy, but that's what it did. And if if anybody out there wants to really make me happy and, and take me uh, out of my um, out of my out of my bag, uh, they can go check out talkingpointsports.com. My first round mock is uh, is up. That took me seven days to write, so please go look at it. Thank you very much in advance. I can't believe you're writing our mock draft in February uh, for for the NFL draft. I know, but like, still, I mean, I, I yes, it's more. I don't know. Senior Bowl was this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Big, probably the biggest thing outside of the combine are the senior senior bowl practices. I mean, uh, no one no it. one gives a flying fuck about the game. It's about the practices. Yes. Uh the Jets, Jets guys looked really great. They really showed up, Dan Campbell's staff at the senior bowl. I well, as I said, the game, the game is irrelevant. No, I mean, the, what people were saying about the practices and, you know, seeing a bunch of beat reporters live tweeting, it felt like the old days where you'd see beat reporters live tweeting pra- like team practices and saying, oh, Robbie Anderson just made a cool catch or, oh, Stephen Hill dropped the ball again because that's what well, that's all he did. Fair, fair. But please go check out check out the uh, the mock draft. Thank you. In advance. In advance. I love you all. Now we get to talk about shitty, terrible, awful tight ends, which I know is the one episode that every single person has been just looking forward to, whether the, the part of us talking about tight ends. But we won't be talking about tight ends the entire time. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because there's only if if I was required to talk about tight ends for an hour, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I agree with you. I wholeheartedly, I agree. There really is not a lot to talk about with these tight ends. There really, really isn't. There's like a couple of guys that are really good, and then the rest are just fluff. I mean, there are obvious takeaways for sure, but if, if anything, I learned what to do with this position. If anything, which which is good, but the problem is, will I actually do it? Eh, we'll see, we'll see. But but yeah, let's just uh, let's just get right on into it. I mean, is it so profound a reflection to say, oh well, I guess I'm going to be drafting Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews pretty early, or um, you know, don't trust the Patriots tight ends? Is that like a is that so deep a reflection? Um, I, I I half agree with what you said. I actually do trust Hunter Henry. I, I trust him a lot. I mean, it, it's it's hard to look at a Patriots tight end. Well, who, I guess if they're both healthy, then you shouldn't trust them. But because John Smith was out for a lot of the year. Yeah, he was he was out for for a lot of the year. But Hunter Henry still had nine touchdowns. So I yes. mean, it's 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 hard it's hard to discount a guy that that you know, racked up that racked up that amount of touchdowns. But I mean, if we're, 
And if we're looking at the position as a whole, I mean, yeah, you had your, you had your breakout guys, the position you had Hunter Henry, you had Dawson Knox, you had Dalton Schultz, who was the number three tight end in fantasy, by the way, I told you 90 targets for a Cowboys tight end. There you go again with, with Dalton Schultz. So whoever the next guy is, uh, we're the number one tight end for Dallas next year. Uh, they will immediately with great aplomb, as many would say, uh, be a very, very popular uh, breakout pick. Pat Fryermuth as well was uh, a, a breakout for, for the Steelers. He should be given, I would say, top 10 tight end consideration for sure. As much as we shit on him, though, Kyle Pitts being a top six tight end. Yeah, I mean, 100, 176 fantasy points. But, I mean, I, I'm just looking – if you're breaking it down by the fantasy points, right? You had three tight ends that, that posted over 200 fantasy points. Dalton Schultz, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews is in full point PPR. Outside of that, you have George Kittle, who is at 198. And then you have about, if I can count, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We'll say eight. You have eight guys between 180 fantasy points and 159, as high as Zach Ertz and as low as Noah Fant. So the guys that are in the middle of that, Kyle Pitts, Gronk, Goddard, Gesicki, Knox, Henry, and then Fant at, at, at the end. So you had a lot of your mid-round, mid-round tight ends. You know, you had your, your Goddard in there. You had your Pitts in there. You had your Gesicki in there who, I mean, I'm uh, honestly, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised that Gesicki is, is in there given his two touchdowns on the year. I'm, I'm actually very surprised that Gesicki – uh, managed to record a, a top 10 finish at, at the position going up against Hunter Henry, who had nine. But I, I would say, you know, the, the tight end position, it, it is what it is. And we're going to talk the way it's going to go, as it always goes, Adam, is we're going to say now, oh, the tight end position sucks. You know what it is. If you're not taking any of the top guys, you're streaming tight end, and that's that. But then we're going to go into May, June, when we're gearing up for the season, doing positional previews, drum mocks, things like that. And we're going to say, oh, yeah, tight end this year. It, it, looks, it looks pretty deep. It looks like a, a pretty deep position this year for a change. And then it turned out to be shit. And we just keep going in the same continuous whirlpool cycle of death that just envelops us when, when it comes to this tight end position. So, I mean, do we really know? what it is every single year. We don't really know what it is yeah. every single year because we do. who, who expected, like we understand Travis Kelsey and well, Travis Kelsey is a unicorn, but we didn't think that Mark Andrews is going to have the season that he had Dalton Schultz. You did. I did. Yeah. Did I think he'd be a tight end one? No. Did I think he'd be a 250 point tight end? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think people thought that he was going to have a great season, but I don't think people thought that he was going to finish ahead of Travis Kelsey. I mean, people didn't expect the season that TJ Hawkinson had, the season from hell that TJ Hawkinson had. People didn't expect, I mean, maybe people expected a drop off for Noah Fant because Drew Locke wasn't the quarterback for the Broncos, but I don't think they expected him to finish outside the top 10. And even guys who are under the radar like Dalton Schultz and Dawson Knox and, you know, the rejuvenation of Zach Ertz. There are a lot of guys that came out of, that came out of surprises this year. I mean, that's every year though. 
every year you have guys that come out of nowhere. Like, did anybody really think that Gronk was going to be a every week contributor? Obviously, people are going to take Gronk because he was name value and he and he's Rob Gronkowski, arguably one of the, if not the greatest tight end of all time. Sure, people were going to take him. But did anybody actually think that Gronk was going to be on pace to be a top three, top four tight end if he didn't have that stretch in the middle of the year where he didn't play from week four to week 10, except for one exception in week eight? when he came back and was targeted once and then missed in week 10. No, no, nobody expected that Gronk was going to be, was going to be that reliable. Nobody expected that. No one expected Hunter Henry was going to separate himself to be the go-to guy for Mac Jones. People, people had reasonable expectations about Dawson Knox. I knew about Dalton Schultz. I alerted everyone about Dalton Schultz, but people listened to me about Dalton Schultz is, is another thing. Um, Nobody knew about Zach Ertz because Zach Ertz was going to be useless in Philadelphia and he was a waiver wire guy. If we're looking at guys that were realistically drafted, like we'll say consensus in most leagues, tight ends that were drafted were Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, Pitts. I'll, I'll put Gronk in there as like a late round flyer. Sure. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Mike Kosicki, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller. There's definitely Logan Thomas was another one. Oh my God. I really forgot about Logan Thomas. And Tyler Higby. Was, was Tyler Higby drafted? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think probably in like in like the same vein as like as Gronk. Maybe some people had had hopes for him. Yeah, sure. Sure. But yeah, and then you had your guys that came out of nowhere. You had your your Dawson Knoxes, who some people expected was a popular sleeper pick at the beginning of the year. Your Pat Fryermuths, your Tyler Conklins, your uh, Zach Ertz, who you know needed that trade for him to to come out of the woodwork. Um, your Dalton Schultz, you know. So, and when I say that we know what we get from this position, I mean the top end guys are going to be good. And then you're going to have your guys that come out of nowhere and you jump on that guy when that guy arrives. But then you're going to have your middling shit where it's like you're basically needing a touchdown or bust every single week. That That is what this position is. And I think this year was an exception to that just because of Hawkinson and Waller and Fant. Well, I don't see I Waller Waller. Yes. But when Waller played, he was good. Hawkinson and Fant, I would not call them top tier. No, I, I don't even think I would call Hawkinson. I, I don't think I would be calling Hawkinson second tier either. Really? I thought, I don't know. I always thought that Hawkinson was on like the outside looking in of that top three. Um, actually, no, I, t- I take that back. I'm looking at my ranks. I did have Hawkinson at at four over, over Pitts. So, all right. Yeah, I'll get it. To you. Uh, he was He was second tier for me. It usually went like he was like a round five guy, round four, round five. It usually went like what Kelsey, Kittle, Andrews, Hawkinson, like around that, or maybe Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Hawkinson. In some in some order, Kelsey, Kittle. No, it was Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Andrews, Pitts, Hawkinson. Was the Mm -hmm. consensus order that they that they were that they were drafted in. 
That's true. People were lower on Andrews because Andrews in 2020 didn't have the season, the incredible season that he had in 2019. Because yeah, it was a, it was a, it, a down year. It was a down. It was a down to earth year. It was a regression to the mean year. And now Mark yeah. Andrews is great again. I think Mark Andrews has always been great, and I can tell you right now that I will be taking Mark Andrews wherever I can. And I guess this kind of just shifts into this whole what's the strategy for the tight end position and what I alluded to at the top of what I know I'm going to do with this position is I'm going to want to take a a top tier tight end. And it, this is definitely a a philosophical change for me because I I just wasn't that guy that was going to go and take uh, an elite tight end early on, but realizing with Andrews realizing with Kelsey, even to an extent with, with Kittle and and Waller, you know, having that guy at tight end that could be more than just a plug and play touchdown or bust option is just so, so important for any team. And, you know, those that had Andrews, like I had a team this year, this is a great example. I had a team this year that had no business no business being near a championship not even remotely close should not have even been in the discussion that team was in a championship because i had mark andrews now there are other teams that i had where i was playing the flip-flop game every week at tight end i was going between mike gesicki pat fryermuth going between uh, Tyler Higby and Dawson Knox going between, uh, you know, uh, not even like a Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz was an every week starter, but you, you kind of get the point where, you know, you're playing the flip-flop game and you're trying to guess whose week it's going to be versus having that Andrews or that Kelsey or that Kittle or even that Waller where you're plugging, you're plugging that guy in, you're playing them every week and you're not thinking about it. Like, and I always tell people all the time, you draft one of those top tight ends. You don't need a backup tight end. You just find a guy when that guy's on by and, and that's it because you're never, you're never going to need another tight end barring some catastrophic injury that occurs where, you know, you're really, really screwed, but you know, I'm not going to take a tight end above round three. If it's in round three, I'll consider it. Round two, no chance, no chance. But am I making a priority to go and draft Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Waller, even Pitts? Yeah, that absolutely, 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 yes. Point of phrase, I believe, I, I believe somebody in this room, in the Zoom room, would say you sleep better at night with a top tier tight end. Adam, 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 Adam. I could, I could just feel the ground shaking because Jake is rolling his eyes. I know what you it sleep, is. You sleep comfortably at night with a better tight end. However, you only sleep truly well at night when you have Antonio Brown on the Pittsburgh Steelers who puts up 25 points in full point PPR at half. Now that is sleeping well at night. Antonio Brown, Pittsburgh Steelers, wide receiver one at full point PPR. That's sleeping well. This is sleeping comfortably. This this is sleeping quite comfortably. Yes. Well, 
my other question is, are we going to do another five mock drafts where we take Travis Kelsey at various points in the first round? I say absolutely not. Will it probably happen? Yes. We'll do it. I would, I would even go as far as to say most definitely. Yes. You know what, with all of the, with all the volatility in the NFL nowadays, let's just take Travis Kelsey number one overall. Let's see what happens. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy is, is I actually was considering doing a, I was invited to do it and I don't know if I want to do it just because of the stress and agita that the tight end position brings to my life. I was actually I was extended an invitation to uh, take part in a uh, tight end premium for for next year, and I'm definitely considering it. Well, if that is the case, Travis Kelsey would go number one overall. Uh, probably. And I, let me just check my ranks. To... Oh, look at this Renaissance man! He has a tight he has tight end premium ranks. No, I don't have tiny premium ranks. I'm just looking at my uh, overall ranks to see if I have Kelsey above Andrews, which I think I do. I'm almost certain that I do. If I don't, then that'll be changed immediately. But I'm pretty certain. Yeah, okay. I have Kelsey right now. Uh, my latest update, I have Kelsey at 19 and I have Andrews at 28. And that's in half PPR because I know you like to do your ranks in half. Yes, yes this is in half. This okay. is in half. So we're talking Kelsey at the 2-3 turn and we're talking Andrews at the 3-4 turn. That seems pretty accurate. I'd be but, fine with that. I don't think he falls to that, though. I think somebody is going to be like a maverick or maybe a trendsetter following the current and taking Travis Kelsey in the first round. First round, no. I I actually think that's a reasonable, if not realistic, spot for Kelsey to be good. That's where he went last year for the most part. Would you take him at at the swing, the swing between first and second? No, no, because I think people are going to want to load up on their running backs. I think if anything, people are going to want to just load up on running back as much as they possibly can. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Like, let's just say, let's say that the first round is very RB heavy. And according to my ranks, it's going to be. So let's just say that we have here. It's a choice between the turn, a choice between any receiver like a Kelsey or a Tyreek Hill, or if someone doesn't take a receiver, say, okay, here's a good one. Say it's between Travis Kelsey and Javante Williams. I think it's a very interesting debate that someone will have to have. That's a philosophical debate. That is a, like it an is. A, that is an angel and devil on your shoulder kind of debate. Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I, me personally, I would take Javante, but I know that there are going to be people in this fantasy metaverse that we live in that will just say, you know what? I don't trust Javante Williams. I trust Travis Kelsey instead. And you know what? That, that is perfectly understandable and reasonable. My question for you, though, is this. Do you think that Mark Andrews 
actually is going to be a possibility for a fantasy manager to take at the three, four turn where I have him right now. Cause quite frankly, even though I have him ranked as that, I don't think he gets there. Yeah. That's a fuck. No, for me, I, think I don't he's... think he does. I think he's gone way before that. Yeah. He's gone in the second round or even. Yeah, no, he's gone in the second round. I think he's probably, I think he's gone top of the third. I don't think he goes before Kelsey, but I think he goes shortly after. Because I think what's going to happen, and th- this actually, this is, this is a draft strategy thing that people can do, is if you're sitting at the turn, right, and you see, Say you have say you're sitting at the two nine and you're in a, and you're in a 10 man and you have you started out your draft, you picked Derrick Henry. Great. You're sitting there at the two nine. You want to get your hands on a receiver. And you're afraid that the manager behind you at the one is going to take double receiver. What you could do, what you could try, I don't know if this is going to work, but you can try. Try and start that Kelsey Andrews run by taking Kelsey and seeing if that manager behind you is going to react and maybe panic pick Andrews. Well, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad pick, but to see if you can get your guide fall into your lap at the three, two, that could be something that could, it would be very, very interesting to see if someone could pull off because Kelsey, Kelsey could be used as like a little bit of a weapon to get the guy that you really want in the third round, but this is all obviously contingent on that guy at the, at the two, three turn that's right behind you biting and taking Andrews. Cause he could very easily just go Jonathan Taylor, then sit then settle on maybe AJ Brown, Keenan Allen and boom, you know, and you're stuck with, with Kelsey who maybe you didn't really want to take, but you know, you try to start that run. It's, I always say, and this is me just rambling, but it just, Whenever we have these philosophical conversations, Adam, it always opens my, my, my mind to other things. And I actually got, I did get a question about this too. Wasn't in the mailbag. This is just in passing. And someone asked what the pros and cons are of starting a run. And the short answer is you can get the guy that you want. That's the short. The long answer of the good of starting a run is it completely wipes out any options, right? Of maybe you see a guy that's short in a position, you start a run at one spot, everyone else reacts, that guy's screwed. You've already screwed one guy. But the way that I use runs to my advantage is on defenses and kickers. That's the way that I do it. I don't like using high quality assets to start a run. I like doing it to get guys that I want in the later rounds. So for example, I can give you this one, Adam. I'm in a, I'm in a spot in my keeper league where I do not have a pick later than the 14th round right now. All of my picks are round 14 and higher. What I'm considering 
is trying to start an early defense run in round 12. Seeing if anybody will bite on trying to take a defense or a kicker or something like that, something crazy, something stupid that I would never do in a redraft, but doing it in this keeper because, I mean, I'm going to be out of my assets by then. I'll be on a smoke break for the last four rounds of that draft. And trying to start like a mini run there to see if anybody else would would potentially bite. That's when using a run is good. But you trying to use a run on premium assets, it's a little tricky because odds are at the top. And Adam, I, I think you can probably relate to this. Most guys in rounds one, two, three, even four have an idea of who they want to get. Am I am I am I wrong in saying that? No, you're not wrong. Like you're absolutely not wrong. Like for you, for you. Now, I, I, I'm asking you this as, as a serious question. When you go into a draft, do you have like a pre-planned notion of who you want to get? Or is it just whomever's there, I'm going to be good with, who, with whoever falls to me and I'll figure it out when I'm there. Or do you have like a set mindset of, I want this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Well, not necessarily players, but maybe players like depending on like where I'm picking, if I'm on like the fourth round or if I'm, if I have the fourth overall pick and I have an idea of who the three guys ahead of me are going to pick, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to pick this guy. But if I'm in the later, uh, later slot in the draft at the first, I have an idea of what position I want to go for. And usually it's running back. And especially if I have a swing pick where at the one, two turn, I'm like, listen, I am going to go running back receiver, or I'm going to go receiver receiver and be an idiot, or I'm going to go running back, running back. Uh, so yeah, it's more positionally focused. Cause I don't know who's going to be there at that point. I mean, I have an idea, but there are curveballs all the time in drafts. So yeah. So I'm, I'm just trying to get a gauge and I think I'm just trying to paint this out for everybody else. It's like a different approach. You, the way you do it is you don't do it. That's player specific. That was tough to get out. You don't do it player specifically. You do it more position specific. Like you chart out. Okay. Round one, I'm going to take a running back round two. I'm going to take a receiver round three running back round four receiver and then based on that layout, based on that plan, is who you try and target. Yeah. And then once I get to like the middle to later rounds, it's kind of like, what, how is my team shaping out? If I were, if I was dealt a bad hand in the first round or second round, I like, well, maybe I need to shore up a position and go off script a little bit. Or let's say I thought I was so smart because CJ Hawkinson fell to me in like the middle rounds. I was like, Oh, great. I, I actually have like a good tight end. One of the, one of the, one of the top tight ends, it's going to be great. And then he got injured for the entire seat for most of the season. Right. But um, like that sort of thing, like it's not like scripted. I'm not a robot when I draft. No. And I, I think you, you bring up a good point is that you, you can't be, you can't be, you have to be flexible. You have got to be flexible. That's, that's the way that you, air quotes, win a draft is by being flexible. And I know I've talked about it on 
numerous podcasts already, and I've talked about it on here uh, multiple times, uh, just based with last year. The way that I operate is with VBD, value-based drafting. And I have my ranks in front of me. I don't necessarily do it by position, even though I like to have the position breakdowns in front of me as well. But I see a guy that fits my team. I don't necessarily love him, but he fits a need and the value is great. I'm drafting the guy. Like I think a great example of of value-based drafting, if you want to hear it in action, is if you go back and you listen to the co-owned live draft, that Adam and I did go listen to the discussion that Adam and I have regarding DeAndre Swift. That is a perfect textbook example of value-based drafting in action, because I don't think, and Adam, I could be very wrong on this, but I don't think you or I were super enthused about taking DeAndre Swift. I agree with you. We were not. We were just like, oh, shit. Yeah, (laughs) we both didn't want to do it. But the value with where we were getting him, which I believe was the end of the fourth round, was it was too good. It was too good for us to pass. And then after the fact, I had the two teams that were behind us actually texted me. I don't know if I ever told you this. Texted me after the draft and cursed me out for taking (laughs) DeAndre Swift because they were going to do it because they said the value was too good. and, And that's it is you may not get your guy, but odds are in a draft, you're going to get guys that fall to you that normally would not fall to you because in any draft, you're going to have guys that go off board. They're going to take guys that they want and they're not necessarily going to go buy the book as, as it would in a co-own where there's two people. So, you know, everyone can idiot check each other, which is basically what that Cologne draft was. Um, I need to so, listen to that. That would be, that's a fun, that would be a fun afternoon for me. Oh, re- I, I, I can, I can tell you over the last month, I've listened to all of the, I listened to the two live drafts that we did. They were a great time. And I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to the live draft show again. And that, Honestly, the live draft show that we do is one of the best drafts because there's no pressure. Like I'm drafting a team. I'm on a podcast. I'm talking with you. I'm, I'm, we're, having, we're having fun. We're having fun. There's just, there's just no stress. Right. Exactly. And I lost my train of thought. Yeah. How do we get here? We were talking about tight ends and we got here. <laughs> told you there's nothing oh. much to talk about with tight ends <laughs> okay i remember i remember okay every draft it seems like not to the same extent but i'm sure you remember well of course you do you bring it up every time i mention this subject you remember your first draft where you took tony romo first overall of course Des Bryant. yeah tony romo first overall uh my one of my i think it was my very first fantasy Fantasy football draft. I took Aaron Rodgers for fourth overall um, in 2017. We had a guy take Des Bryant fourth overall. Yeah. So that was interesting. So people go off board, like you said, all the time. Absolutely. And the ripple effect of people making dumb decisions is that better players fall to you. 
or at least the people behind them. That's correct. That's correct. And you just, you just need to be prepared, which is why I tell people consistently, even if it's not your own, just print out a set of rankings from someone that you trust and have those rankings in front of you when you are doing a draft because it makes such a difference when you have something to go off of and you're not like i know for me i am such a pen paper guy i don't like using the screens for anything like i'll have my information up on a screen for sure but for me i have my binder i have my pen i have my paper i jot down notes my, my page at the end of a specific draft if it's not covered we have a problem. That means I didn't draft right. I'm always just jotting things down as, as I go. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't take too seriously is how they approach a draft. Like I think a lot of people just go into a draft and say, oh, I'm just drafting a team. That, that's kind of it. But there is an art in, in, in drafting. There, there really is about the preparation. It's about how you go, how you you know, how you fare in a draft, what's the, the do's and the don'ts. And we've definitely done an episode on that. Um, but if we didn't, we'll definitely have to do one uh, just because I think there is definitely an art that comes with, with drafting that I don't think many people, um, I don't want to say know how to do it, but they don't know how to draft. Well, we can make a whole mailbag episode about drafting. Sure. People ask, people ask us questions about drafts all the time. Please. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very down. Like if, if next week, next week after the Super Bowl, I think fantasy pros will have their ranks up and mocks will be ready to go. So if we wanted to, we could do next week is if we, if we get the questions for it, we could do half episode of mock draft and then half episode mailbag of answering draft related questions. I'm very down. We could do that. Send in, send in your questions, folks. Send in your questions. The link will be in the description to, uh, to the email. All right. So let's move on to these coaching hires. Yeah. Yeah. And let's start off with the most, well, no, yeah. Let's start off with the most recent one. Lovey Smith. He's back. Yep. <laughs> He's back. Okay, this is a weird one. <laughs> what are the Texans doing? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, something really tells me that they were going to go Flores, but then everything that happened with him, he, he's been made, I guess, yeah. kind of unhirable. So they went with, with, with Lovey. I think I people, mean, people were saying that they wanted to go McCown. I, I believe they wanted to go McCown. I, I, I believe that. I believe then, that. I, yeah. Flores backlash. was the guy that I thought right off the bat, just because of how Deshaun wanted to go to Miami to play for Flores. So if they wanted to keep Deshaun Watson in town, why not hire the guy he wanted to go play for? Well, maybe they don't want to keep Deshaun Watson in town. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I just have a hard time with the Lovey Smith one, just because th- there needs to be something built in Houston is he the guy that's going to do it and oversee it and then carry it out I don't know the thing Honestly, is I Lovey, don't know Lovey Smith was a great 
a good head coach, good to great head coach 10 years ago. Sure. The Bears. Sure. He took the Bears to the Super Bowl, took the Bears to an NFC championship game in 2010. Yep. They were a Jay Cutler injury away, probably, from going to the Super Bowl and facing off against the Steelers. Correct. I don't, and like his tenure with the Bucks, I was not really inspired. No. So I don't really get it. And he, like, it's not like he was lighting the world on fire when he was in Illinois either. Yeah. I don't, I don't get this one either. Maybe, maybe they just wanted a guy that was familiar with the program. Like, also, he's the Texans defensive coordinator. Did you see the Texans defense? They made improvements as, as the year went along, but it wasn't like it wasn't enough to the point where I was going to say, "Oh yeah, get that guy a head job, head coaching job." Like, no, no, I, I didn't, I did not get that impression, at, at least to me. But um, I mean, they have a program there. I think they have a quarterback there with with Davis Mills. Do I think as a franchise guy? No, but is he like a bridge guy? Yes. Yes, he can be. Um, I mentioned it in the mock draft this week um, that I believe the Texans do not keep number three overall. I think that, that is the, the most prime of prime trade out spots for them because they have to get assets. So I think that any team that's looking for a quarterback, if they're looking at uh, Pickett, looking at Willis, if they're looking at Corral. I think that's a great spot for a team to trade up. If they're enamored with a quarterback, I think it's be great news. Uh, for Houston because they have to get all the assets they possibly can. And I think three is like, is the textbook perfect spot for them to trade out and get some level of assets for, uh, for that three pick. I don't think, I don't know if teams are going to be trading up to three to get a quarterback, because I think they know that unless like, as you said, as you say all the time, once people talk to Kenny Pickett and they fall head over heels for him, maybe they'll want to trade up to number three to get him, but I don't think any quarterback in this draft is really worth trading up to number three to get him. And it's not like the lions or the Jaguars are going to be picking quarterbacks this early. Well, and, and you can read this all in the mock, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Both have very logical picks, the Jaguars and the lions, very, very, very logical picks that they can make with the Texans. They need, they need assets. Plain and simple. And to go back on the nobody thinks that a quarterback will go this high point and no team would trade up for a quarterback that high. Nobody thought that the 49ers were going to trade up for a quarterback last year. And look what happened. They traded and up they, and they picked the wrong guy. Yes. Well, I think it's a different draft, though. It's a different caliber of quarterback in the sure, draft. Sure. You can make that argument, but there are teams with needs at quarterback in a big, big way. And if they, any team could say, look, we're going to mortgage, we'll mortgage everything to just get a quarterback. Like if you're Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's sitting there at 20. Who says Pittsburgh can't take their first round pick, a first round pick next year and a mid round pick trade up to number three. Boom. Kenny Pickett, keep him in Pittsburgh, keep the pick guy. Boom. Done. He already played all of his home games in Heinz field. It just makes sense. Exactly. Who, who says that that's not out of the, not out of the question. And you have a team like Pittsburgh who has a very strong foundation. You just need a quarterback there. And 
they're back in playoff contention. Kenny Pickett would be great on that team. He would be. He would be. He's my favorite. He's my favorite. I, I unapologetically have watched hours, hours of film on Pickett, on Willis, on Corral, on Sam Howell. Pickett was my favorite by a mile. By a mile. All right. As a beautiful, beautiful specimen. I always find it weird when people talk about athletes and call them specimens. They are we- specimens. It's very creepy. Kenny Pickett is a specimen. I always felt weird whenever, like, specimen or, like, freak. Like, people will talk about DK Metcalf. It's like, he's a physical specimen. I was like, dude, that's a guy. That's a human being. He's Don't a be freak weird. of nature. That's what he is. My guy. My guy. The Kalen Zacharias. My friend. That's right. That's what that stands for. The Kalen Zacharias Metcalf. Uh, yeah. See, I, I know the names of my people. I guess so. Well, I don't know. I do. I do. one of those where I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's what that is. And then instantly forgot it. Well, I mean, I, when, when he is my keeper, I have to know all about all about the Kalen Zacharias. Like, for example, for example, can you do you have any guesses? Any guesses as to what my guy, my guy, Josh Allen, do you know what his middle name is by any chance? Why would I know this? Because I do. I know my people. What's his middle name? Joshua Patrick Allen. Joshua Patrick Allen. Interesting. That's a beautiful, beautiful man. Can you tell me when he was born? No. I can. Only, only because it's, a mo- it's exactly one month before my birthday. May 21st. Oh, yeah. May 21st. That's the only reason why I can tell you that. 1996? 1996. He's a month older than me. Wow. And I would marry him tomorrow. Do you know, do you know what your quarterback's middle name is by any chance? Oh, fuck. I do. I do know this one because why do you know Zach Wilson's middle name? I know this one because I was told to look it up because it is very, very um, uh, interesting. What is it? Capano. That's what that makes sense. So his Twitter handle before he before he was drafted was Zach Capano or Zach Capano. So I didn't know what that was. So I guess yeah, that's his middle name. That's his middle name, Zachary Capano Wilson. I know R.J. Barrett's middle name. Rowan. See that one? I don't know. He's he's not my people. He's Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. I did know that. I did know that Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. Yes, I did. I did know that. Just couldn't recite it. But. RJ's a friend. He's not one of my people, but he's a friend. Julius Randall, I have words for him. I, I don't want to know what his middle name is. I can give a fuck what his middle name is. But but I will say I did I did record a uh, Basin Talk podcast with uh, with Jake, which you'll be hearing on Thursday. Being able to talk a little bit of shit about the Nets to his face was quite fun. Oh, that team is so great at being terrible. They are they're a joy. They're a joy, aren't they? Bless them. Bless them. Bless them for being Never a laughing stock. Never going to win a championship. Oh, Adam, I hope you're right. I also hope you're right. I hope I'm right. I really hope you're right. And by the way, I just won $50. Thank you, JaVale McGee. 
Well, that is a sentence I never thought I'd ever hear you say. Thank you, JaVale McGee. I just won $50. Thank you, JaVale McGee. Over 12 and a half points and rebounds. He's got 15. Who does he play for now? The Phoenix Suns. Oh. Phoenix Suns, who are losing by four to the 76ers as we speak. Yeah. Well, that's NBA champion JaVale McGee to you. That is NBA champion JaVale McGee. Yes. Yes. That is 100% correct. I apologize for being just so informal with my uh, with my greeting there. Yeah. Okay. So next coach, Dennis yes. Allen. Well, and, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you going to talk about what I think you're going to talk about with the Saints? Uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't going to bring it up. But if if if, if I mean, if you're going to go down that avenue with with your stick, you are you're, you definitely can. Well, I would say that it's nice that they have the continuity there, but the Saints are still going to look like a different team regardless, depending on what happens with Alvin Kamara. Uh, I mean, we have guys playing in the NFL that have done way worse, haven't they? Yes. But it's I mean, still Kareem, wrong. Kareem Hunt is employed. I, I'm aware. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but... Antonio Brown was employed. Antonio Brown was employed. He, he, didn't get, he, he didn't get cut for doing that. He got cut for being for rage quitting his team. Antonio Brown killed Antonio Brown. Let's make that very, very, very clear. That was self That was a self-inflicted release. Career suicide. Yes, precisely. And now he's he's making a pitch to go play for the Ravens. You think John Harbaugh wants what's uh what's Antonio Brown around? Jim Harbaugh would slap Antonio Brown in the did face. I, did I say John Harbaugh? I meant Jim. I meant Jim. I apologize. I think I said I think I said John. John Harbaugh is the one you're looking for. Okay. John Harbaugh is the coach of the Ravens. I don't know what I said. If I said John or Jim or Jim or John, I don't know. John Harbaugh. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. John, 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 John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is that scum from up north. Fuck him. It's more northeast from where I am anyway. I hate him. Truly. I truly despise him. The only thing that would make me hate him more is he became head coach of the Eagles tomorrow. Or the Giants. Oh, 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 God. I do like Brian Dable, too. I do like him. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he's he's good. Did you, did you? Before we go back to, to Dennis Allen and, and talking about um, talking about the Saints and their fantasy implications, um, did you see Brian Dable's uh, press conference when he joked with that reporter who had like the deepest New York accent in the world? And Brian Dable asked him. He said, "Where are you from? South Carolina?" And the guy <laughs> and the guy goes. No, no, I'm from Brooklyn. Like in the most serious accent in the world. Like, come on. Come on. The guy can't take a fucking joke. <laughs> I left that. That's like Brian Dable. It's very good. That's clever. I like that. I like that. It's nice when you have pretty laid back coaches. Listen, I, for many reasons, I hated the Adam Gaze presser, the introductory presser. But I mean, the fact that he was so like serious and stuffy and he was like that his entire tenure with the jets he was so yeah he was so stuffy and like serious serious and stuffy no at least todd at least todd Todd Bowles kind of showed emotion occasionally 
And he did kind of like joke around with the players and stuff like that. If you listen to his uh, mic'd up segments and, but Adam Gaze, no, I like coaches to have a little levity. And Robert Saul is like that too. Yeah. They got personality. They got personality. I like personality personally in, uh, in my coaches, but, um, but yeah, with, with, uh, with Dennis Allen, very, very, very key that, that he understands that he has to get Alvin Kamara involved. Obviously, a defensive guy has to make the offensive coordinator hire right. Knows that Alvin Kamara is a part of, a part of this team. Be very interesting to see what happens with Michael Thomas because that is something that obviously I don't think has been talked about enough is, you know, does Michael Thomas want to go back to the Saints now that Sean Payton is, is no longer there? I, I kind of have the impression that he might, that there is the possibility that Michael Thomas does go back to the saints. I think it really depends on who this quarterback is for them next year. I really have a hard time believing that it's going to be Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon. I I honestly, I really think the saints are prime, prime, prime team to go and draft a quarterback. And I think in my mock, I had them taking Matt Corral. That would be interesting. Um, I don't really know too much about the quarterback class i just know what people are saying about it so it's weak yeah it's weak it's weak and i doubt uh, people the one guy everyone wants to talk about with the saints is is malik willis for me malik willis is exactly like Taysom hill only more refined so you want to have two of the same on the roster then you take you take malik willis but it makes no sense it makes no sense well the crazy thing is I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if Taysom Hill was basically fired into the sun because Taysom Hill was Sean Payton's guy. And yeah. so I don't think that Dennis Allen is going to be like, oh, well, we have to keep if he doesn't like Taysom Hill, then he can either look to trade him. I'm sure Tom, some team is going to be like, oh, well, maybe maybe Taysom Hill could be something for us. Again, I think it com- it, it really comes down to the to the offense coordinator hire. I think depending on who they hire, who they bring in is going to determine who is the guy that, you know, is, is the leader it is, or is Taysom Hill a part of this, a part of this team. That's going to be the ultimate decider. And honestly, I mean, lest we forget, Jameis Winston played pretty well before he tore his ACL. He wasn't yeah. awful. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that he goes back to New Orleans. I think he goes back to Tampa, but there's a possibility that he goes back to New Orleans. Yeah, absolutely 100% possible. And he was, he, and honestly, he was loved in New Orleans from what I understand. That, that his time there, you know, with Drew Brees and then with Sean Payton, his teammates loved him. So it wouldn't surprise me if he were to go back there. And just say and just say fuck the Bucks and fuck Bruce Arians, which I honestly I would not not blame him one bit because yeah, considering fuck the Bucks and fuck Bruce Arians, right? Because considering how the Bucks treated Jameis Winston when he was right member of the Bucks, exactly. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him in the slightest. No, absolutely one hundred percent correct. Bang on the money, bang on the money. But the guy the guy to really watch there with uh, with Dennis Allen is, is obviously Kamara to see who they bring in the office coordinator hire again will be very key. Yep. Okay. Another guy who 
is uh, kind of an outside the box. Well, Dennis Allen was an inside the box hire because yeah. literally he was an internal candidate, but somebody who was an outside the box hire who really got a lot of traction as a head coaching candidate around the playoffs, kind of like Rob Sala, like in 2019, everyone was like, people were considering him for head coaching jobs. 2020, they were considering him for head coaching jobs. Mike McDaniel mm. with the Miami Dolphins. A very interesting one. Very, very, very interesting one. Obviously, another Kyle Shanahan disciple. Great news for Tua, because from what I understand, um, Mike McDaniel is a huge Tua fan. So very good that Tua is getting a coach that wants him to be his guy. For me, I think this benefits Jalen Waddle as well, because there is the possibility that Jalen Waddle kind of becomes what Debo Samuel has become for the 49ers. That is absolutely a possibility. Oh, God damn it. Please don't let that happen. Very bad, however, for the running backs. Very, very, very bad. And I can I can honestly see Raheem Mostert being a member of the Miami Dolphins not before long. I, I honestly I can see it. He's like Tevin Coleman. He's just like I'm Tevin Coleman. Yeah, that guy. That guy. I mean, but, there's no Elijah Mitchell on this team. Right. And Adam, I can tell you, I am not drafting a Miami Dolphins running back, so I could fucking care less. But yes, very, very good hire for Tua and a great hire for Jalen Waddle. I think this is really going to open up a whole bevy of options of uh, what could potentially be unlocked with, with that Tua Jalen Waddle connection. I think we could finally put the uh, Deshaun Watson to Miami conversation to bed. Yep. Now the Dolphins are going to be paying guys to win games as opposed to allegedly paying them to lose games. Correct. Correct. Hopefully. 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 But who knows with Stephen Ross? True. True. Expect the unexpected with him. Yes. Did I say allegedly? Just want to make sure. You did say allegedly. Yes. We are not we are not going to get sued. You 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 did say allegedly. Good. Okay. Uh, uh Doug Peterson. This is uh, this is like why? 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 I, I don't. I don't get this one. Honestly, people people realize that it was Frank Reich. He was the guy who made Carson Wentz into Carson Wentz. Correct. Not Doug, not Doug Peterson. Correct. Correct. I, I don't, I don't get this one at all, but I think the one thing that we are going to see is both Travis Etienne and James Robinson used. So I think this is going to be another, uh, another committee on our hands in, uh, in Jacksonville. So it definitely takes a uh, bump down for Robinson and a bump down for, for ETN. Yeah. And I think we really, we're going to, we would have said that last year if ETN hadn't been out for the season. Yeah. Yeah. We probably would have been saying that as well with but, that, yeah. with that bad, bad man who uh, will remain nameless. Fuck him. Fuck him is right. Yeah, not a fan of him. But nope. this this hire is so uninspired. This is like Dave Tippett. He is the Dave Tippett of the NFL. Wow. Or like Ken that's, Hitchcock. That's a cut. Or like Ken Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. 
It's just a very, it's a very Bruce Boudreaux hiring, very boring hire. That's what it is. It's boring. Yeah, it's a retread. Like Doug Peterson's only been a, only he's only had one head coaching job, but he's already like a, an uninspired retread. Yeah, exactly. Just very, very, very boring. But I guess if you're looking for a guy that's going to you know build a program, I guess Doug Peterson is that guy. I guess. I don't know. I feel like Eagles fans, basically the second, the last piece of confetti dropped in Minnesota after the Super Bowl, Eagles fans are like, get this fucker off of our team. Fire him out of a trebuchet. They did not like him one bit. Hmm. Very mixed, I would think. I think a lot of a lot of people in Philadelphia um, did kind of love him fucking the Giants. I think that was a very popular uh, decision in Philadelphia, but I can tell you that it was not a very popular decision um, with the players in his locker room. I think that was just the final nail in the coffin, that it wasn't even the fan base that turned up on Peterson. It was his own players that he completely threw in the towel. And... Which is it, worse. Blatantly. Blatantly. Like, they didn't even try and hide it. Which is worse. Oh, It is definitely. worse that you throw your own players under yep. the bus as opposed to throwing the fan base under the bus. Hey, hey. For all we know, Nate Sudfeld is going to be the backup for the Jaguars, and Doug Peterson's going to want to see what he has. He's going to want to see what he has in Nate Sudfeld. Well, you know, Doug Peterson's like three or four years too late because Nick Foles has already been traded to Chicago. That would be – that would just think be – that would be so romantic, wouldn't it? If Nate I don't think there are any trade signs balance. on to be the to be the backup for Trevor Lawrence, that would just be that would oh my god, I, I would die, I would die laughing. I think it would be funny if Doug Peterson's like, listen, Trent, we need to trade for Nick Foles. I need Nick. I need Nick and his massive appendage. I need him here now. I got nothing for that. I am just reporting facts. I am a journalist. I am a journalist and I am reporting facts that have been confirmed. And it is confirmed that Nick Foles is blessed. Oh my God. He is, um, as as some would say, and I quote, hung like a horse. (laughs) Oh, damn it. <laughs> I hate you so much. Can't say that. I thought you were going to say something more tame, like, oh, he's just well-endowed. But no. Nah, that's boring. He is hung like a horse. Hung Why? like a horse. <laughs> hung like a horse. I'm glad you like that one. I don't. Oh, you do. You're smiling ear to ear. That means you like it. Oh God! I'm I like it. That. I love it. I want some more of it. Is that is that you with uh, with my jokes? I'm smiling to hide the pain. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Yep. I I got it. Okay. Next is Josh McDaniels, who actually followed through. Unbelievable! On Unbelievable! Coaching job acceptance. Yeah, and for me, this is a he's got a big decision about whether Derek Carr is going to be his guy or not. I would assume more than likely, yes, with the option that McDaniels probably drafts a quarterback at some point during this draft. But odds are 
Carl will be the guy. Good news for Hunter Renfro. Good news for Darren Waller. I would even say this is probably very good news for Josh Jacobs as well, just because I think there's going to be much more of an emphasis on running the football, bringing that Patriot style to Las Vegas, which means more balanced attack, taking more of the load off of Derek Carr and putting it more into the running game. Good for Josh Jacobs. However, I could see the potential for Josh Jacobs to be splitting work with another running back. Maybe they, they bring back Kenyon Drake, um, who is under contract there for, for next year, in case you need a reminder. I was going to say, like, Kenny Drake's still there. So yeah, he's under contract. Not, yeah. He's under contract for next year. Now, whether he returns is another thing, but I would imagine that uh, Jacobs and, and Drake will probably have some sort of split. But if not, it's good news for Jacobs. Yeah. I mean, if it's anything like the last time that Josh McDaniels had a head coaching job in the AFC West, then he might trade Derek Carr for a worse option at quarterback, which is basically what he did in Denver. Sure. When he traded Jay Cutler for Kyle Wharton, but I don't know. I think I want to say that Josh McDaniels learned some things from his disastrous stint in Denver, but I don't know. I don't know either. We're going to find out. I mean, it was good for half a season in Denver. The 2009 Broncos were good, and so they very much weren't. We're going to find out, aren't we? Yes, we are going to find out. And, I mean, the Raiders are just so good at luring these big-name head coaches. And who knows with Josh McDaniels. And he – I am I would be shocked because – Knowing what we know now, Josh McDaniels would is would would have been kicking himself to take that Colts job that Frank Reich took. Sure. Sure. So what did the Raiders do to be for Josh McDaniels to be like, you know what? I'm finally going to leave the nest again. Probably and gave they probably gave him some sort of personnel control. That would be my guess. Input, I guess so. in, input in free agent signings, input in draft picks, input in trades. I would envision that that's probably what they were able to do to to land that. Because as far as I'm as far as I know, I don't think they have a general manager right now. Like I know they fired Mayock, but I don't think they've hired a general manager. I think they hired the coach before they hired the general manager. Yeah, I don't know, but. I think that, I don't know. I'm not crazy about it because Bill Belichick had coaches. That coaching tree just doesn't work. And it hasn't worked. When the best, when the best branch of your tree is probably Eric Mangini or Bill O'Brien, that's a problem. Yeah, no, that is definitely, definitely a problem. Definitely a problem. What were you going to say? I was going to say, we're going we're to see how, how it works. I think McDaniels is well better equipped this time to, to make it work personally. But there's a lot to be built up. He, just, he needs to be given time. He needs to be given the time. Let's move to the New York football giants and Brian Dable. Good news for Daniel Jones. As it, now he brings it, there's an offensive guy that's coming in there. That's uh, going to help him for one year to try and get his uh, Giants career kickstarted. If not, 
then Brian Dable will have the opportunity to select his own guy. I think this is good news for Saquon Barkley as well. Um, but I think definitely the biggest winner of that is, is Daniel Jones for sure. Yeah. And I think that it's good that the giants brought the continuity with the coach and GM, both coming from the bills organization. So now they're really more in tandem than anything else. They're not complete strangers. They've been, they've already been working together in, I'm sure, well, they've at least been in the same organization. So they're they're probably familiar with different terminology and lingo and whatever that they use in the bill with the bills and they can uh, bring that to the giants but yeah if daniel jones doesn't work this is his third head coach because pat Shermer in 2019 that was rookie year then joe judge for two years and now uh brian dable if this doesn't work then sorry Oh, it, it, it has to work. This is whatever last stand looks like for, for Daniel Jones. This is it. This is it. Has to work. Has to work. Otherwise, the Giants are going to go take a new guy. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you want to move on to the Bears and Matt Eberflus? Sure. Sure. Interest, interesting one. Um Obviously, the um, the Bears hiring a defensive guy to tailor to their already very very good defense. So obviously, you know, good good to tailor to that. Good to tailor to your best overall player as well in uh, in Khalil Mack to get him a uh, a defensive guy. Um, but the the one that I think is going to be the most interesting is uh, Luke Getze, who was the uh, quarterbacks coach for the Packers, who was then hired on to be the offensive coordinator for the Bears. Interesting hire. Young guy, he's only 37 years old, um, has been coaching in the NFL for seven years. I think has been a coach in football for 15 years. Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a good hire. Young guy gets to work with another young guy in Justin Fields. I hope Justin Fields gets the, gets the chance, though. Because something tells me that the leash is going to be a bit shorter with Fields, uh, given Eberflus will go ahead and say that this is not his guy, which he's right. It's 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 not his guy, but he's in charge of trying to make sure that this works, and hopefully it does. And I think the hire of Getzey is the most important. I think you know with Fields, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he will improve. But I think the I think the, the winner here is going to be the Bears running backs. Uh, I think we're definitely going to see one of these guys break through. I'm not super convinced about Montgomery. I hope he's the focal point of this Luke Getzey offense. He needs to be, but keep an eye out, especially in, in dynasty uh, for Khalil Herbert. I think if you're going to take Montgomery in dynasty, you better make sure you get your hands on Khalil Herbert. Cause I got a funny feeling that Khalil Herbert could play at a sizable role in, in this offense, maybe much the same ilk as maybe for looking at an Aaron Jones to an AJ Dillon sort of thing. Maybe that could be sort of the approach that happens here in Chicago. Well, I think even a redraft, I think uh Khalil Herbert could be a good handcuff or is the handcuff for David Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He, he, he is the handcuff and dynasty. I think it's, it's more important given 
you know, going to have that guy for the remainder of time. Yes. All right. Kevin O'Connell, Jets legend, third string quarterback for yep. the Jets. Longtime third string quarterback for the Jets. Kevin O'Connell, love him. Yep. And he is off to Minnesota. Um, former offensive coordinator of the Rams. This is great news. Great news for Justin Jefferson. Because I think now, you know, Kevin O'Connell oversaw the whole Cooper Cup evolution. I think now there's the possibility that we see something very similar with Justin Jefferson. Not to the same ilk that Justin Jefferson's out here breaking records, but to the same ilk that Justin Jefferson becomes the guy, the go-to guy for the Minnesota Vikings as they sort of go away from this run first heavy offense to being a bit more balanced. So it's good news for, for Jefferson. Dalvin Cook will still be involved. Dalvin Cook will still be fine. But I think the biggest winner here with this hire is Justin Jefferson. Yeah, and honestly, I think the second place winner for this, besides Justin Jefferson and maybe even Adam Thielen, who could be 1B or 1A, uh, is the quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Kellen Mond. I mean, Kellen Mond especially because it looks like he's going to need a lot of development and Kevin O'Connell's the guy for that. Yep. You know, he, he made, I don't know how much of this is really Matt Stafford having generational receive a generational receiver in Cooper cup and like a really solid offense, but he unlocked a new level in Matt Stafford that sure. we didn't think that he had anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe you could see something similar happen with with Kirk Cousins as well, and on the last year of his deal, so you know he'll have a guy. I hope Kirk Cousins will be sort of the bridge, and then O'Connell gets to start fresh with a new guy next year, uh, if that's the way they go. I also I also could see the Vikings being a player for for a quarterback. I I really really can that O'Connell can call his guy. I think that's definitely a possibility. NFL coaches are so egotistical. They're always, yes, they, they always are. want their guys. They're like, well, that's not my guy. I don't see anything in that guy. Here's this other guy. Because, yeah. I mean, they already have a guy who they thought was going to be a successor, quote unquote, in Kellen Mond. But the guy that drafted him, Rick Spielman, he's not there anymore. So I guess it's going to be up to Kevin O'Connell and seeing what's up with that. Correct. Correct. It'll be on him. But great news for Justin Jefferson. Yep. And Thielen and Tyler Conklin and everybody on that on that offense in the passing game. Yeah, I'm not. The, I think the Thielen days are uh, are kind of done. Well, I'm saying just the, the passing in general. It's gonna sure, be good for sure. Them. Yeah. The passing more... upside will be there in all of them. Yes. But the big winner of that is Jefferson. Because I think yes. he is. He's the guy now. Well, yes, he's the future of the fran- He's the face yeah. of the franchise. Yeah, he went from 1B to Adam Thielen's 1A to the 1A to Adam Thielen's 1B, and now he's the 1 to Adam Thielen's 2. Yeah. Is it that hard of a take to say that Justin Jefferson is the face of the franchise for the, no. Dolph- for, mm-hmm. uh, for the Vikings? Nope. It's not a hot take at all. As much as everybody loves Dalvin Cook. That's not a hot take at all. He's the, fr- he's the-, he's the fresh young whippersnapper. Yes. As the kids say. As the kids do say that. Yeah. Okay. Finally. Uh, finally. 
Nathaniel Hackett going it's, to the Broncos. I wonder why they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Well, I think Nathaniel Hackett was in line to get a job one way or the other, but obviously, yes, the allure of having his old offensive coordinator, Aaron Rodgers, going to Green Bay, where that guy can now be his head coach, guys familiar with, guys familiar with him. Yes, obviously, you're going to connect those dots. But for me, it, it, it just goes deeper. Hackett, if he gets himself a quarterback, which is something Vic Fangio did not get, which is something that uh, Vance Joseph did not get. If he can get himself a quarterback, a, a proper quarterback, this could be a smash hire. But I think it would be good for Jerry Judy. I think it would be good for Cortland Sutton. It would be good for Javante Williams. I still think it's going to be good for Javante Williams, quite frankly. But if they get themselves a proper quarterback, it's the Broncos could be a serious, serious, serious team because they have the defense. The offensive line is solid. The playmakers they have on offense, they're good. They just need that quarterback, that one singular guy that could take this team and put them into playoff contention in the AFC. And that AFC West is going to be an absolute madness between the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. The Broncos get themselves a quarterback. Oh my God. I mean, who finishes last in that division? So it, let's just play the hypothetical game. Say Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos. It's like you have the Raiders that might finish last in that division. Maybe their, their record would be like nine and eight. I think that might be. Has that ever happened? I'm sure it's happened at least once, probably, where every what, a single, team a team finished last in their division with a winning record. Every team in the division has a winning record. Uh, let think. me have a look. Let me see. I don't know how the thing. math works on that. It might with the 17 game season. It might actually work out. The oh, this is baseball. That doesn't help me. In baseball is more impressive. Let's see. Let's see if if this is like actually a thing. I'd be very, very, very surprised. Um. Let me try. Let me try this one. Best record for a last place team in a division in NFL. Uh, a mouthful. No. Nothing. No, I didn't get it. Didn't get it. That's unfortunate. The only thing that it says is that the only team to ever want to uh, win the division with a losing record was the Seahawks at, at seven and nine. And then of course that led to the, uh, to that uh, Marshawn game. Yes. I think well, they call Panther, it, I think the kids call it beast quake. They do. They do call it that. I mean, the Panthers won a division. They were six, nine and one, I believe. In uh 23 or 2014. That sounds correct. That does sound correct. Yeah. But or maybe there were seven, not yeah, six, nine, and one. Anyway, uh, yeah, this this uh, AFC West could be pretty dangerous going yeah. forward. Yes, it could be. That that team could have three playoff teams. It could coming out of that division. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it could. 
And I mean, it might like seriously, like the chargers are a, they should have tied the fucking game away from making the playoffs. Like we were a tie away from having three teams from the AFC West make the playoffs this year. Thank you, Brandon Staley. <laughs> well, next week, Adam, if the gods will allow mock draft. Yes. And then we can also talk about the Super Bowl. Yes. And yep. the champagne parties that are probably going to be happening in Cincinnati because honestly, I hope so. I, I think all of America hopes so. And of course, just a, a reminder, the um, the email will be left in the description of the episode. Make sure you send in your questions. And if we get enough questions, we will do a uh, second half mailbag for uh, for the show uh, next week on drafts. Actually, I do have a quick question. For yeah. You. Mm-hmm. One, one quick question. Yeah. Who wins the Super Bowl and what's the score? Uh, we actually, I did this on the, uh, on the Face and Talk podcast uh, before. Um, but people will hear this before they hear that. Uh, 27 20 Bengals. Okay. 27 20 Bengals. You? Uh, mine is 31 28 Rams. Hmm. So you're rooting for the Bengals, but you think the Rams win? Well, I'm conflicted. It's, a, it's nice to not root against somebody in the Super Bowl for once because he's retired. Adam. But you're supposed what? to root against the Rams. We're, we don't want E. Stanley Kroenke to win. If I but need to see Matt a victory Stafford. speech, if I need to see a victory speech given out by E. Stanley Kroenke, I will blow a fucking gasket. But Matt Stafford, I want Matt Stafford to win the Super Bowl. He deserves I enjoy to win the Super Matthew Bowl. Stafford. He's a beautiful man. I like him. However, my hatred for E. Stanley Kroenke runs a lot deeper than my love for Matthew Stafford does. So does this mean that if the Avalanche made the Stanley Cup final against, like, I don't know, the Florida Panthers? Yeah, let's sure. go Panthers. Okay. Despite my love for Nathan McKinnon, the Denver Nuggets make it to the NBA finals against the Boston Celtics or the Brooklyn Nets. Let's go Celtics. Let's go Nets. Well, that is oh wow. Fuck him. How many times do I have to say it? Fuck him. I know. He, well, oh, oh, I have such a choice word, but if I use it, I'm going to have to bleep it out. Well, it's got to be a pretty bad word. Oh, it's bad. Oh, it's a very bad word. Does it start with C? Yep. Do you have to bleep that? Yes, I mean, I, absolutely. I guess it's a... That's a T that's like a tier two, a tier one level curse word. If Ryan B and Greg Kaplan have to blurp out the C word, I have to blurp it out as well. I guess so. That's a fair point. I I was kind of shocked because I remember, or I was listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway and they called uh, Chase (laughs) Utley. Yes. Well, Chase Utley is a C word. I think Chase Utley is a nice man. No, he's a C. He has a C word. That is that is shocking. How dare He's you a, use that word in my podcast? Absolute prick. <laughs> prick is okay. I, I see. I love that word. I love prick. Prick he, is a great word. He's a dirty bastard. A bastard's a great one too. I mean, there are many other words that are great. Some of which I cannot say. I have to, I'll have to go. Who bleep, broke bleep, that bleep, poor bleep, kid? Bleep. He broke that poor kid's leg. Ruben Tejado was never the same. After nope. that, nope. He was. I, did he ever play in the bigs again after that? I think he did. 
But no, he was never the same. I mean, I listen, he wasn't the shortstop of the future for the Mets, but he was a, he was a good player. He wasn't the same after that slide. Fuck Chase Utley. Well, I, we can end it. We can end it on this. But apparently, Matt Harvey was named in the lawsuit against the um, the Angels trainer, um, the one that was uh, that is being sued right now for the Tyler Skaggs incident. Right. That uh, the the defendant is saying that it was Matt Harvey that gave Tyler Skaggs the uh, the drugs that killed him. Oh. So not a good look, not a good look for, uh, for Matt Harvey, but uh, yeah. So we'll see everyone next week. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.